You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, good morning, church. We want to welcome you to the second week of online-only services. And we're so glad that you're tuning in. I do want to encourage you, whatever device you're watching on, take a second right now and share this and like it. It really makes a difference. Last week, we had uh, over 1,800 engagements, and uh, we want to see that grow each and every week. And today, I want to not only welcome our Gateway Church family, we want to welcome our neighbors and our friends, our co-workers. We want to welcome um, our family members. Last week, we had family members all the way to California uh, that were joining us, and we want to say welcome, and we're glad that you're here, providing a message of hope in a very hard and difficult season, no doubt about it. For those of you that are tracking with us at the Gateway Church in our 40-day prayer leading up to Easter, because we're believing that we're going to have the best Easter we've ever had, in our prayer journal or in our prayer guide, it says this, today, to declare His peace among the nations. And we need to be praying that. The verse in this, it's a John 14, 27, says, Peace I leave you. This is Jesus talking. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And then a little later, it says that we should be praying for the peace of Jesus to be proclaimed to the troubled hearts and to the troubled homes. What an appropriate day on March 22nd to be praying that. And then the second prayer point is to pray for Jesus to give His peace to those who have not yet known Him. And today, that's our heart and our prayer. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, today we're going to offer the free gift of salvation. No doubt about it. Couple quick things before we get into the message. We wanted you to know that uh, all live events uh, have been postponed. That means Sundays and uh, youth services, our connect groups, our prayer meeting, uh, so on and so forth, until further notice, until the band has been lifted with the coronavirus. Uh, we, but we want you to know that we are here to serve you as a church, and that means our neighbors and our coworkers and uh, to the ends of the earth. We want to let you know that if you are able to meet a need, or if you're available to serve in any way, you can just comment right as we go, and uh, and we will uh, acknowledge that and keep a list of those of you that are saying, hey, I'm willing to serve, and we want to make that connection. But if you have a need as well, whether you're in our neighborhood here, or in Ferrisburg, or or uh, in the on the lakeshore, and if you have a need, we want to be partnering together in our job as a church, especially in this season, is to make those connections. And so if you have a need or if you are able to fill a need, we want to be the connector and we want you to be able to comment just as you're watching on Facebook Live here, we will be capturing each and every one of those. 
We want to be serving. The other thing we want you to, to know is we want to encourage you to be giving. And uh, there's, we, at the end of the message, uh, stick through, and we wanna, we'll talk about that a little more. But uh, figure out how to give online. Um, if you haven't done that uh, yet, we want to encourage you to do so. Or you can for sure stop by the office between Tuesday and Friday, between 9 and 4, to be able to do that. One of the things I'm most excited about is Easter coming up just right around the corner. And Easter will be here before we know it. Will we be live? Will we be online? We don't know, but we are praying for God to work. And uh, we want you to be spreading the news that we're going to have the greatest Easter we've ever had. So let's get into the message this morning and into God's Word. And uh, before I do that, let me pray one more time. Lord, we thank you for the Word. We thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we thank you for those that are figuring out how to give online. Lord, you're faithful. And Lord, we are the, uh, the recipients of your grace and your mercy. And we want to give back to you. Lord, we ask that you would just do a mighty work in this time. And Lord, I pray that there would be no lack during this time for anyone that's listening. And God, I pray that you would be meeting needs all over the lakeshore. And for those that are connected with the Gateway Church, those that are tuning in right now, Lord, that you would be the provider. Lord, you are a generous God. And Lord, you give us a great hope, even in difficult times. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start today's message by taking you back 22 years. 22 years ago, it was 1998, I was in my last semester of Bible college, and I thought, well, I'm going to sign up for some classes where I can just coast into the future and uh, finish, graduate, but take some easy classes. And so I decided to sign up for a class that was called The Theology of C.S. Lewis. I don't know if you've ever heard of C.S. Lewis. I'm going to talk about him here for a moment. But I, this, this class, you got to know, was a 400 senior level theology class. And I thought, well, I've read the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, I'm familiar. That'll be an easy class. Well, it ended up being one of the most difficult classes in my college career. The class reading schedule was a book or a little more than a book every single week. And it really, really challenged me. But you say, well, who is this C.S. Lewis? Well, if you don't know, he was an atheist, a famous atheist, who was confident, he was committed, and many people would say he was a brilliant atheist, and he ended up teaching at Oxford, uh, um, the prestigious university. And when he got to Oxford, you could say he was an angry atheist. Say, well, why was he angry? Well, C.S. Lewis, as, as I've read and understand his story, had prayed as a young boy for his mother to be healed from cancer, I believe. But he watched his mother suffer, and he watched his, suffer, his mother die before he was at the age of 10. And then, from that point on, he referred to God as the magician in the sky. And in regard to God's Word, the Bible, he said it was just a storybook, a fairy tale. And C.S. Lewis, as he tracked in his early adult life, he did not want to believe. In fact, he resisted faith, 
but he could not escape it as he went out to prove that God did not exist. God got a hold of his life. Later in his life, he said this, A young atheist cannot guard his faith too carefully. Danger lies in wait for him on every side. And in 1929, C.S. Lewis surrendered to Jesus. He said, God, you are God. Perhaps the most reluctant convert in all England, um, he, but he gave his heart to Jesus. Later, he would write a great book that you might be familiar with called Mere Christianity. And Mere Christianity is kind of a philosophical book. It's an apologetics, and what that means, it's a defense of the Christian faith. And it was his attempt to reach the skeptics, those that didn't believe that God was God. And one of the, he ended up becoming one of the greatest Christian minds of the last century. And in mere Christianity, he says this, and I quote, and it's going to be on the screen here. It's a little hard to read here. Let me, let, let's, let's switch there so you can read along. It says, I am trying to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says that he was a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make a choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great moral or human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He never intended that to happen. In that idea, that little phrase there, has led to a mantra, a kind of a defense of the faith that is called the liar, the lunatic, and the Lord. Liar, lunatic, and Lord. And that idea is going to be the backdrop today in Mark chapter 3. For those of you that have been tracking with us, uh, this whole year we've been studying the book of Mark. And I want you to find a copy of God's Scripture. You can pause the live stream, uh, grab a copy, or you can follow along, uh, certainly along here. We've been asking ourselves the question, and today we're going to be wrapping up the series of Who is Jesus? And looking at Mark chapter 3. The question we've been asking is, who is Jesus, and which group do you belong to? And in regards to today, do you believe that Jesus is a liar? Do you believe that Jesus is a lunatic? Or do you believe that Jesus is Lord, the Son of God, who he said that he was? And so without further ado, we're going to dive in to God's Word. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Uh, liar, lunatic, or Lord. The first thing we see in Mark chapter 3 is that there were people in the story of Mark here that were turning their hearts to Jesus following Jesus, we see it in Mark 13. It says, Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. 
What we see here is that Jesus was calling and they came. And they weren't just saying, I'm sorry. We see that these people were repenting. They were changing their ways. Many of them were called from a previous lifestyle and were on a totally new trajectory. In, char in chapter 1, we see over and over where Jesus would say, follow me. And then Andrew and Peter followed him. In James, uh, in a little later in chapter 1, uh, James and John, uh, two fishermen, were called by Jesus, follow me. And they started. They left it all behind. In chapter 2, verse 14, we see that Matthew, or sometimes called Levi, was called by Jesus. And he rose, and he followed, and he left everything behind. They did it all. They, 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 they did this, and it was, it was great. There were people that were turning their hearts to the Lord. And there were those who believed that Jesus was Lord, and their numbers were growing. And so the first one we talk about is Lord. And we know that there were definitely people that called Jesus Lord in, in Mark chapter 3. But there were also people in Mark chapter 3 that thought that Jesus was a lunatic. Mark chapter 3, verse 20. It says, and then he went home. And for Jesus, his home was in Capernaum. He was living with the apostle Peter. And uh, it says that he went home and a crowd gathered. Let me pause right there. We know that at this point in Mark, he, Jesus was at the peak of his popularity. He's about 18 months into his three-year uh, ministry. And you say, well, why were crowds forming? Why were people gathering? Well, there was no one like Jesus. He was doing miracles, and people were flocking to him to be healed. There were people, uh, he would feed 5,000 people with only a few pieces of bread and a few fish. You say, well, why was there crowds? You could turn in your Bibles, if you got one, to Matthew chapter 12. In Matthew chapter 12, we see a story that's actually a parallel to the Mark one that we're looking at here. But it describes that Jesus brought a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. So it was these types of things that Jesus was doing and was making a huge impact. It says all the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? Could this be the Messiah? People brought people to Jesus and Jesus was healing them. And in this case, we see that this guy was able to talk and to see. He was, his life was changed. You say, well, who was, who is this guy? We'll go back to Mark chapter 3, and we'll kind of continue. Verse 20 says this, And he went home, and the crowds gathered again, so much so that they could not even eat. So they, they were, you know, growing the crowds and pressing in. And it says, And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him. <laughs> and I love that. It's to arrest him, to grab him, to tackle him, put him in a straitjacket, is really the idea here, because they said, and then they said, he is out of his mind. People were saying, there were some, and even Jesus' family were saying, Jesus has lost his mind. He's a lunatic. And they were there to save him from himself. You say, well, what's going on here? Well, Jesus was the oldest 
uh, of the family, uh, the firstborn son. We believe at this point Joseph, his father, had passed away. And the responsibility of the oldest son would be to pick up the family business, to care for the family. And instead, we see Jesus is starting a traveling ministry. He hasn't been home, really. And he's saying weird things like, your sins are forgiven. Or he's saying, pick up your mat and walk. And he's got this sort of God complex. And his family was concerned. He had left his hometown. He's challenging the powers to be in the Jewish system. And in Mark chapter 3, at the end of the chapter, verse 31, look at it there. It says his mother and his brothers were standing outside and sent to him and called him. So his mother and his brothers are saying, we're going to go save Jesus. We're going to go get him, right? I love this. And it says, and the crowd was sitting around him and said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And he looked around at those who were around them and said, Here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. When Jesus and his mother and his brothers hear that, at this point they know for certain that Jesus has lost his mind. His family can't get to him. And now they know for sure that he's nuts. Am I right? What I want to pause here just for a second and say, Jesus was not denying his family. He wasn't saying, I don't need you anymore. It's not a plan to dismiss or to ignore or to cut off his family. In fact, we see Jesus later on. When Jesus is on the cross, he cares for his family. He takes care of his mother. And after the resurrection of Jesus, he meets with his brothers, and all of his brothers ended up following him, turning their hearts to, towards him and, and serving him. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying this, that genuine relationship with him is evidenced by obedience to him. When you commit to follow Jesus, you're joining the family, the church family. And I know this morning I'm speaking to empty seats here in this auditorium, but I know I'm talking to the church over the way airwaves. Where, where you are worshiping, you're, you're enjoying the message here, and you're sharing it, you're liking it. We are the family. The church is not a building. The church is living within us. And when you give your heart to the Lord, you become part of the church. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Can I get an Amen. Thank you, Bob. Pastor Bobby's here. He's the only one here. <laughs> I love it. And so we saw in this so far in Matthew or in Mark chapter 3 that there were some calling Jesus Lord. Others were calling him a lunatic, even his family. But there was a third area that there were people that were calling Jesus a liar. Mark chapter 3, verse 22. Look at it with me. And the scribes, the, the scribes were the experts of the law. They're the ones from Jerusalem. It says they're coming down to Jerusalem. They're actually going north, but coming down off the mountain. They came down from Jerusalem, and they were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons, he casts out these demons. You say, well, what's going on here? They are accusing Jesus that the source of his healing power is demonic from demons. In other words, they're saying, you are a liar, you are not who you say you are. 
And Jesus, in defense, he doesn't like blow them up or you know get rid of them in in the moment. He brings a logical arguments to prove he is who he says he is. And we see that. And the first part is, is in uh, verse 23 through 26. Look what he says. It's kind of an illogical idea what they're saying. He says, he called to them and said to him in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. If, a, if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but, he, but is coming to an end. In other words, he's saying, look, if Satan is fighting against himself, it's going to go down. This is not Satan fighting against Satan. It's Jesus, the Son of God, fighting against Satan. And Jesus is stronger. And that's what he says in the next verse, 27. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he is first binds the strong man. In other words, what we're seeing here, Jesus is saying, look, I am stronger than Satan. Then indeed he may plunder his house. And then he finishes off that section with a, a warning of not rejecting him over and over and over. Because at some point, you will blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Truly I say to you, he says, all sins will be forgiven the children of man. And whatever blasphemes they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. So he's, Jesus is defending himself. He's saying, no, I'm not a liar. We look at C.S. Lewis and his, his, his uh, mantra, that is Jesus a liar, a lunatic, or is he Lord? I want us to go to a little diagram that's found in the book of um, uh, the mere Christianity. Jesus claimed to be God, and you should see this on your screen. And with that, there's two alternatives. First, Either his claims are false, and if that's true, there are two alternatives. The first alternative is that he knew his claims were false. And if that's true, he made deliberate misrepresentation. That means he would be a liar. He was a hypocrite. He was a demon. And he was a fool for dying for it if he, if he knew that it, that was the case. The second alternative is that his claims were false, but he didn't know that it was false. And if that was the case, he was sincerely deluded. He would be considered a lunatic. So there's liar, lunatic, or Jesus claims to be God. The third alternative is that it's true. And if his claims were true, that means he is Lord. And if that's true, we have two alternatives. The first alternative is you can accept him or you can reject him. And this is where I want to close our, the service today. I want to speak to those of you, first of all, that have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It, this is a crazy time we're living in. And if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to share and to like what's happening here because you have friends, you have 
family members, you have co-workers, you have students uh, at your school that need to hear this message. I believe we're in this, a season where the greatest evangelism uh, that the world has ever seen is possible. The Bible says that Jesus will return when all the earth has heard the message, and I believe that we are in the last days. And I want those of you that have hope, have hope in Jesus and the peace of God that we talked about earlier, I want you to get excited, and I want you to be vocal, and I want you to make a difference in this time. But I also know that there are people in our community, and people tuning in right now that have rejected Jesus or have walked away from Jesus. Or there are people that have, have never even heard the name of Jesus. And I want you to know that your greatest need is not to be safe from the coronavirus or to be healthy. Your greatest need is not money or a job or to have fun, your greatest need is to be forgiven. You need to hear that. Your greatest need is to be forgiven, to be forgiven of the sin that's in your life. And I want to present to you that there is hope, there's peace that you can absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt that your heart is clean, that you are safe. I'm going to lead you in a prayer here in a moment. If you need forgiveness, I don't want you to just sit idly. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart, we will be saved. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you need Jesus today to forgive you, if you've rejected him, if you've thought uh, or maybe you've walked away from Jesus, or maybe... You've never heard the name of Jesus, and this is the first time. We want to offer you this gift, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer that just simply it says something like this. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've done all kinds of things wrong. I am sorry for the sin in my life. And Jesus, right now, I believe in you. I believe that you are who you said you are. And because of that, I don't want to reject you anymore. I don't want to walk away from you anymore. I, don't, I want to give my heart and my life to you, Jesus. And so would you save me? Would you take away my sin? And Lord, I pray that you would do a great work in my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If that was your prayer, if you agreed in prayer with me just in this moment, we are asking at the Gateway Church to do something very important. I'm asking that right now, before you do anything else, that you would comment in the comments that you're giving your heart to Jesus, that you're rededicating your life. And we, as a church, we promise we will follow up with you. We will make a connection and talk about next steps, how we can walk with you, even in this season of being online. We want to know how many of you have given your heart to Jesus today, and we're believing that there's going to be revival within the lakeshore and in your families and in your workplaces 
as you've shared and as you've liked this. And so I want to say thank you for making yourself known. It's important to us. And we believe that our best days are ahead. We believe that we, as a Gateway Church, through this time, through this weird time, we will come out stronger because there are people that are coming to Jesus. How many believe that with me? Amen? Amen. Amen. There's one last thing that I want to share, and then we're going to let you go. If you're watching still with us, I'm assuming at this point that you are one of the faithful, that you are uh, part of our church family, and we are a regular attender. And I just want to acknowledge that uh, we understand that even here in West Michigan, that there are many families experiencing a financial pinch. We understand that there are un. Certain, there's uncertainty in all of our lives. And I just personally, uh, Jessica and I, we spent time yesterday or maybe the day before uh, readjusting our budget, going down to the bare bones. What do we need? And we're hoping over these next few weeks and months to build our emergency fund. And hopefully we don't have to spend that. Um, but we understand that, that times are tough. Corporately, as a church, we are, we are going to the essentials only, and we are really leaning on the board and the staff and, and the teams here to, to be people of wisdom when it comes to finances, and we're only spending what's absolutely necessary to give or to, to spend. But I also want to say that this is our chance to shine as a church. We are people of generosity. We're God's people, and God is generous. And I want to encourage you to be faithful. As you have income uh, through this season, be faithful first to God with your tithes and offerings. I also want to encourage you that we can give online. We can give by give to text, and we can uh, follow this, and it works, and we can encourage you to do so. The other thing is you can give in person or send a check in the mail, and we'll get that. Uh, uh, Tuesday through Friday, the offices are open. You can stop by between 9 and 4 and to do that. But I want to encourage you, beyond our tithes and our offerings, we have our obligation to our missionaries to be faithful. I want to encourage you to continue to give to missions, and then as well to look for those people in your life that are struggling and for you to be generous. And I believe as we're generous with others on the lakeshore, our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends, our family members, and we're generous with the Gateway Church, and we're faithful in our tithes and offerings, and we're generous to our missionaries so we don't have to drop any support through this crazy season. And as we're generous in our time spent with the Lord, like we're doing right now, I believe that, that God is going to get all the glory and all the honor. And He's going to do great and mighty things. I want to pray for you with one final prayer and say thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for continuing to walk with us. Uh, each day we're posting things online. We want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we honor you today for who you are. We thank you that you have met us this morning. 
And Lord, I pray for those that are giving their hearts to Jesus, those that are coming back to Jesus. And Lord, I pray that as a church, we will walk with them and encourage them with some next steps. And Lord, that we will see revival. And Lord, as I believe these end days are, are upon us. Lord, I pray that you would do a mighty work here at the Gateway Church. And it would, the ripple effect would hit Ferrysburg and the Lakeshore in all of Michigan, and to the very ends of the earth. Lord, that you would do a great and mighty work. And Lord, I thank you for the generosity of the people connecting with us. I thank you for the, for the, that there's no lack in your kingdom. And Lord, none of this has taken you by surprise. And so we put our full weight, our full confidence in you, Jesus, in this season. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you here next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.